You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt. And I'd like to begin our proceedings here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out first to your ancestors and then to mine. I call out to all of those people who have lived well and died well and who met the challenges of their time. I call out to these ancestors who bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines to us in the great legacy that we the living have to draw on so that we might learn from those who have gone before us and go forward in a way that is informed by the lives of the many, many, many people who have already been here on this beautiful earth. And we ask that we might grow from this wisdom to grow strong in the repetition of the deep, deep practices that are important for being a human here in a good way, and that we open our hearts and minds to the creativity and the innovation necessary in our own time to bring the medicine, to bring the innovation, to bring that which is needed in our time to make the world better for all living things. And for all of these ancestors that stand behind all of us, every human, We give great gratitude and ask them to circle around us here today. And as they gather, let us open our mind and reach beyond the human ancestors to those beings of life in their many, many forms who have been here since long before there was ever a human. And so we call out to our more ancient ancestors, those without human form, those who are here with us on earth, and we ask these ancestors to be with us as well, to help us to learn more clearly and truly. What is our true nature? What are humans here to do and to be? And what part of this great web of life are we here to play out? And we ask these energies of nature to help us to drop more deeply into the essence of who we are and to live our life in a way that the rest of life looks at what we do in each day and considers the sum of that day, a great blessing for all things. So as we reach out to these ancestral energies and their many, many forms, we give thanks, we call them in, and now we turn our attention to ourselves to call ourselves in. So call yourself from wherever you might be and draw it through your focus into your mind. And with your next breath, draw your energy from your mind to your heart. And the next breath from your heart to your belly. And from your belly, take a moment and touch the earth. Stop all the many things you're doing and do this one thing for this one moment. Reach out to the energy of the earth and give thanks for this day. Give gratitude for your life and the beauty and the wonder and the blessing. 
that is all part of the life as it flows to you and through you in this day. We give great thanks for the diversity all around us and for the challenge that it creates that will bring um, out of us that which we are really meant to bring here to the earth. And we give gratitude for the earth and her dreaming that gave us such rich and beautiful challenges, such a great opportunity to walk our journey here and to do so with other amazing, beautiful living things. And so as we reach down through all the layers of the earth, let us firm up our commitment to be grounded in this day, to visualize clearly and send our energy down in a way that infuses that vision with energy, reaching down through all the layers of the earth, the very center of the earth, and seeing our own energy in some way that is meaningful for us, anchoring itself firmly there. And let us drop our awareness down into the center of the earth and to the energies that draw their strength and beauty and power from darkness, from solitude and stillness, from silence. And as we tune into this energy that is before abundance, that is before life here on earth, that which supports and sustains it all, let us connect into that energy and draw it up, up through all the layers of the earth and up into our body. And in this way, we draw on the energy of the earth and we ask this energy to help us to understand who we are, where we stand and what we stand for in our lives. And as we come to be clear what has heart and meaning in our own life, may we build our sense of home and belonging on what has heart and meaning, not just habit, Um, or empty traditions that have been handed down. But let us make sure that that where we root ourselves in our life is something that rings true in our heart and that we live in a way that brings forward to our family and for those who are coming that which matters deeply in the great integrity and loving space of our own heart. And let us learn from the energy of the earth how to connect from that place better to ourself better to others in our life. Let us connect in a good way to the earth and the environment around us and connect to the spirit world. And as we learn how to connect and interconnect in the many webs of relationship around us, let us allow ourselves to turn deeply into the great web of life and to connect into that place of oneness and know ourselves as part of that great whole. And from this deep knowing, let us reach our energy up from our belly to our heart and our heart to our mind. And as we reach up and out the top of our head, out into the sky above and whatever weather it holds, out through the atmosphere and all the way up into the cosmos, let yourself be caressed by the heavenly bodies and the energy of this great, great universe. And let these energies caress you as you reach all the way up to the highest power. By whatever way you name this power, however you conceive of it, however you think of it, allow yourself to connect to it and it to connect with you and draw these radiant energies down from the sky, the layers of the sky, drawing it down into your life, into your body, into these proceedings. And in this way, we call down the energy of blessings. We draw it into ourselves and into our day. We call down the essence energy of protection, infusing it into our own body and offering it to those who are in need. We call down these energies that we might know the benevolence of our universe, that we, we might feel the inspiration and the innovation 
and the illumination of these energies. And as we draw these energies from our head and draw it into our heart and from our heart to our belly, we send these energies all the way down to the center of the earth. And in this way, through the center channel of our existence, we become the connection between the earth and the sky. And as these two great legendary lovers come together within us, let their big love awaken the spirit of our own hearts in its fullness. And in that fullness of the heart, let us find that crucible of transformation that lives there in the heart. Draw up the fiery passions of the belly and down the crystal cool clarity of the mind. And let these energies mix and merge and dance there in the heart in a dynamic tension that gives birth to a third and most sacred thing, which is some sense, some memory, some inkling, some awareness of why it is that you are here. And may you find the courage in your heart to do something in this day, large or small, to bring those unique gifts into the world. And for a countless, countless circle upon circle upon circle of spirit help that we have gathered around us to help us to bring our gifts to the world, I give great thanks. May what needs to be said be said here today and what needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. I give gratitude to many of you, but in particular at the moment to Jennifer and Michelle, to Natalie, to Jurgen, to Ronell, to Christine, and all of the listeners who have donated financially to the show. This show is listener supported. It has existed on the air now into its eighth or ninth year i'm actually now losing count um but it exists only because listeners like you who have been winning who have been willing to donate to the show so if this show moves you in any way if it moves you to excitement and inspiration or frustration and irritation it has moved you and know that you've been moved in the heart and please do that fundamental shamanic act which is to allow that which moves your heart to motivate your actions in the world and do something large or small to support the show you can do this financially by going to washamanismnow.com and donating any amount, large or small. It all literally goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And for those of you that can't donate financially, and there are many of you out there, and there are many other ways to support the show. And I ask you to be creative in finding ways to use the teachings, share the teachings, um, to help our awareness grow as we're all involved in this collective effort of how we bring shamanic technologies to bear on our everyday contemporary lives in a way that is practical and efficacious and safe. So thank you all for all you are doing. I'd like to thank our guest here today. Our topic is Survival Skills for Sensitives, and our guest is Mary Shutan. Mary, thank you for joining us again. Thank you for having me. So Mary has written yet another book. Uh, she is a spiritual healer and teacher with degrees and certifications in Chinese medicine, craniosacral therapy, and zero balancing, and among many other things. She is an author of The Spiritual Awakening Guide, The Complete Cord Course, and Managing Psychic Abilities. Um, she offers distance programs and healing services, as well as a popular blog that covers a variety of thought-provoking spiritual subjects. So Mary joins us today specifically to talk about her new book, Managing Psychic Abilities, A Real-World Guide for a Highly Sensitive Person. For Mary's blog, her books, her email-based programs, and individual consultations, go to www.maryshutan.com. That's S-H-U-T-A-N 
www.thepowerofpositivelyadvice.com. So we are live today. So if you have any questions about today's topic, you're welcome to call in at 512-772-1938 or Skype in from the code-creatornetwork.com site. Or you can email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. And if you'd like to get a hold of Mary, the easiest way to get a hold of her is through her website, maryshutan.com. All right, Mary, thanks again for joining us today. Um, thanks. I'd like, yeah, I'd like to start with what we're really talking about here today <laughs> and what we're not talking about. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, I'm sure you, you wrestled over even just the title of the book because as soon as you call it managing psychic abilities, half the people that need to read it put it down. And as soon as you call it highly sensitive people, then the other half of the people put it down. It's like, you know. You, you. So let's really talk about what you mean when you're talking about psychic abilities. You know, you're right. We have turned the word psychic into meaning something uh, completely different than its original context. But basically what I mean is just it's somebody who notices more of what um, um, than what is considered consensual or kind of quote-unquote normal reality. Um, and so what I am talking about is from a a spectrum of people that comprise approximately 15 to 20 percent of the population who simply have um, greater perceptive capabilities than kind of, um, you know, kind of, quote unquote, the normal person. Of course, when we're talking about things like normalcy, that basic definition gets a little bit skewed, but that's kind of the basic definition that I'd go for. And so, if if we, if um, if we just uh, I don't know just for the sake of the discussion here, let's say a normal person takes in fifty bits of of non um, physical sense information, so beyond what they see and smell and touch. Let's say they take in fifty bits. So, what would be the range we're talking about for people when we start talking about being highly sensitive and psychic? Well, I mean, it really is such a huge range. So you could have somebody that's noticing, you know, 55 um, and somebody else that's noticing on some level like 5,000 or 10,000 or something. And so there really is such such a wide range of kind of perception. And so that is part of the reason why I wrote the book, because it really is a continuum and different people on different parts of the spectrum may need different skills and kind of life tools in order to manage things a bit better. Um, Yeah, and so what I'd say about that is that even when we're talking about, oh, this person notices 55 bits and that person notices 10,000, I make a big point in the book about talking about how who we are is constantly in a state of flux. And what that means is that Today, with a full moon, some of us may be noticing 500 bits of something when usually we'd be at, you know, 200 or, you know. So understanding both our individual dynamics as well as kind of the spectrum in a more general capacity is really helpful. And then with the with the variable of bits, you know, numbers, <laughs> there's also yeah. just the variable of what people are noticing. That 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 it's not like everybody's necessarily noticing the same thing. Some people are tuned in to the natural world, the the plants and things like that. Others are tuned into the technical world, and and I mean, so there's so much range of possibility to be tuned into. 
that there's there's that variable for us to consider as well. Yeah, and when people approach the word psychic, the reason why, I mean, there are a lot of reasons why it is, sort of carries a certain amount of weight in our culture now. Um, but when we're talking about how somebody, you know, who is a detective who notices kind of minute traces of blood in a room or a mother who has that gut feeling that her child is getting into something, you know, that they shouldn't be. Those are all things that we might discount because they're more about kind of normal or consensual reality or more kind of on the um, what we wouldn't determine as sort of mystical, really. So if we consider one person might look at a house and have a background you know, in perceiving different aspects of that house from what type of roofing to whatever's going on, that technically would be um, somewhere on the continuum of psychic abilities or sensitivities because most people looking at that house might notice two things about it. Well, that person is noticing, you know, 45. And so we have mm-hmm. this huge degree of experiences here. And really, when we're talking about just perceptual capabilities, it really can turn into this, you know, hugely mystical sort of thing that tends to surround this sort of baggage we have around the word psychic. But in many ways, it just simply um, goes into the definition of, okay, there's a certain percentage of the population that's picking up more than the rest of the population. How does this affect them? What do they do about it? How can they understand this to be able to work with it um, in a culture that doesn't really, um, you know, 80% of the culture may not understand um, and the world it doesn't really cater to to somebody who has um, perceptual capabilities beyond a certain beyond a certain point. And and the beauty of Mary's book, everybody, is that the 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 sort of through line of the book is that no matter what your sensitivity set is that you can learn to live in this world in a good way and it is all about learning skills and the practices necessary to be the person that you've come here to be because you wouldn't have these gifts if it wasn't part of you know what you're here to do it's just learning how to um, do it in a way that's good for you and so, and that's possible. I mean, I guess that's the point that like the good news in the book is that everybody can learn to manage whatever they brought into this life. Um, and you just have to not be irritated about the fact that you, maybe you have to do things that that other 80% just doesn't have to worry about. You know? so, so let's just get the, get the elephant out of the room here quickly. So let's talk about just for a minute about what isn't psychic that – you know, people tend to, to, to give that word so much baggage. So let's just get that out of the room here real quick. I mean, we have all these examples in our culture of people doing things like cold reading. And what that is, you know, uh, picking up on psychological cues or in our culture, you can look at, there are all sorts of documentaries out and stories about people that would, you know, create wrapping tables or uh, bring myths into a room or, you know, kind of bug a studio. And so when they'd have guests come in, they'd hear their stories and then amazingly be able to pick them out of an audience. Um, and so uh, we also have kind of that cultural narrative of the, the sort of the gypsy, meaning somebody who isn't thought of as 
kind of a, a good Christian, so to speak. And so we're talking about cultural heritage here. And so um, that brings psychic into something that um, we would associate with bad or, you know, kind of those non-puritanical, dirty, conniving, trying to steal sort of sort of ideas. And um, in our popular culture, we also have examples of psychics and, you know, people <laughs> screaming at ghosts or going up to people and telling them that their dead grandmother is with them. And, you know, some of these might actually have uh, some form of sensitivity or psychic abilities, but largely what we see in our popular culture mostly represents kind of our wounds and our fears about subjects like this, um, rather than any sort of authentic reality about them. Yeah, and, and Hollywood's capacity to play on our wounds and fears and make them worse. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. So we're, So we're really talking about kind of two two things today which is one this range of capacity that human beings have and then but what we're also talking about in particular is this idea of being skilled and unskilled so i thought i would share some of the actually from the book itself about you know the so so from the book for example you say that one of the calling cards of an unskilled psychic or highly sensitive person is fatigue digestive upset, headaches or migraines, heart disease, and a state of overwhelm. And, you know, these are really common symptoms. And uh, so one of the vectors, I guess, that each of us needs to look at in terms of our self-care is are some of these issues coming out of being unskilled relative to the level of sensitivity you bring into your life. And Mary continues a few pages later in the beginning of the book to say that an unskilled psychic feels out of control, fearful, angry, and perhaps desperate about what they're experiencing. Okay, so how many of you that escalate that into a chronic anxiety issue? So these are really fundamental, everyday human being experiences that might be coming out of this realm Um, and all you need to do is to learn skills to resolve it not necessarily go on pharmaceuticals so anyway she continues to say the unskilled psychic consistently feels as if things are happening to them they feel victimized by their sensitivities and this is completely understandable but the point is we're talking about perception right and while the unskilled psychic may have some idea that they are sensitive they lack the ability to catalog or understand their experiences and this is very important and we'll talk about this as we go on here in the show but she continues that the unskilled psychics lack boundaries and are unable to protect themselves from an onslaught of psychic stimuli coming their way frequently Unskilled psychics experience difficulties with health, especially digestive difficulties and conditions associated with exhaustion, as well as nervous system, heart, and immune issues. They often feel cloudy, um, not themselves, or have a lack of mental acuity or concentration needed to really complete their day. And there is a tendency toward addictions and behavior that shuts down or anesthetizes the unskilled psychic from feeling or sensing too much. So if you consider this from the perspective of a constant overwhelm 
from energies you don't know how to interpret or understand or even maybe don't even believe they're real, all of this makes complete sense. And so I read this, you know, from a place of complete, you know, sympathy and compassion. Yeah, these qualities a lot of you are talking about all the time. So what can you learn then to become more skilled in managing being the sensitive person that you are. So I'm going to let Mary continue now and really start to talk about, so what happens then when we go from being an unskilled person to a skilled person? So what are the qualities of a skilled psychic or highly sensitive person? Um, You know, there are really two parts to becoming skilled. Um, Well, there are a couple different parts, and we can talk about kind of the the tools that, that people may need to actually manage their their psychic abilities and sensitivities, but um, basically there is that having the proper tools and understandings to manage and work with their abilities. So by this, I don't mean that um, if somebody defines themselves as, you know, an empath or something like that, do they know what that means? Do they know where they are on the spectrum of, you know, kind of this, this, sensitive to highly psychic sort of continuum, do they know how they individually process things? Because that's really important. So in this book, I don't get into individual psychic abilities because those same basic skills and tools are needed for pretty much anyone that is kind of struggling or would like to know more about their sensitivities. But um, basically, understanding, having the proper tools, and then there's a huge emotional component for people. Um, there is typically, um, there can be, like you you kind of quoted from the book, a lot of resentment or anger or um, we always have this kind of primary wound of feeling separated or not heard, not listened to. And so there are a lot of wounds and trauma that can come from being somebody who is sensitive and maybe didn't have that perceptual capability appropriately noticed and nurtured when they were younger. And so there is this large emotional component for people just anywhere on the spectrum, but especially when you start to get to people who are really, really highly, moderately or highly psychic, um, that is a part of the journey as well. So, Um, Let's start to kind of break down these different components that you've talked about. Um, Do you want to share just the way that you think about this spectrum of um, abilities from sensitive to highly, highly psychic? Yeah, so I broke it down. And so the way that I broke this down was, not only kind of noticing in myself, but also working with clients for pretty much um, who fit in these categories for pretty much over a decade or so at this point. So um, in just observing and working with people that have these capacities, um, I did a basic uh, continuum of highly sensitive, mildly psychic, moderately psychic, and highly psychic. And what each category does is that, okay, we've talked about how highly sensitive people or HSPs are approximately 15 to 20% of the population. So they would have specific kind of um, 
understandings or realizations about, oh, I'm, a, I'm an HSP um, or highly sensitive person. And then when you go to mildly psychic, that would be somebody who's not only highly sensitive, but also has the ad- additional characteristics. And each category after that is kind of an addition of specific characteristics or perceiving perceptual capabilities that um, they may experience if they are in that category. I will say that a caution of doing categories like this is that it's naturally our human nature to, you know, kind of want to be at the at the total end of the continuum, like whatever it is, we want to be the most highly psychic or, or something like that. And so um, going through an authentic process of really understanding that that existence may be incredibly, incredibly difficult for the for the people who experience it and really noticing where you are at and what sort of tools that that may um, uh, require you to have to live out your life to the fullest is really is really important. So I do like to emphasize that. And along that line, I think um, specifically, you know, to th- what in in a part of what Mary is saying is that literally, if we don't learn how to live well with these skills, they the the compounded issue over time leads to serious health problems or can lead to serious health problems and so it's important to understand that whole like oh i want to be highly psychic it's like really (laughs) because it can lead you know if we can't figure out how to live with it and even when we're doing our best to live with it it can be really challenging physically and that's um an important thing to consider is um you know our gifts require all of our gifts, whether whatever dimension they're happening in, they re- require training and skill for us to be able to really develop them and live with them in a healthy way. So, so let's talk about some of these pieces that are important um, in how we begin to learn the skills that um, allow us to then live in a good way with our sensitivities. And I think, you know, where we're going here ultimately is and to be able to use use our sensitivities, you know, for the the betterment of mankind in some way. In other words, just because you're a highly sensitive person or highly psychic or any of these things, it doesn't mean you're supposed to go be a psychic or, you know, that that um there's so many possibilities and I hope to talk a little bit about that at the end so the point is we have a tendency if someone is good at something to railroad them into that area without ever finding out if it has anything to do with what they're really called in this life to do so let's go back here to how we can get go ahead what I would say about that, what is actually funny, is that people who are authentically really psychic, especially if they're really on the end, kind of going into that highly psychic or moderately psychic quality, they don't make the best psychics. Because what people want out of mediums and psychics is to hear how wonderful they are, how they're going to get that job, that they're, whoever passed over loves them and forgives them and all that sort of stuff. And so... Somebody, I make a point in the book that somebody who is actually a medium might be sitting there in a session and a spirit doesn't come through or the spirit is angry or they, you know, the inevitable question that always comes to psychics and readers is, 
is my partner, husband, wife, etc., cheating on me? And if somebody's asking that question, there's probably something wrong in the first place. But the the irony of such things is that uh, somebody who is psychic may that may not be the best job for them. Basically. Yeah, right, right. Um, so let's talk about um, again. Let's start to talk about the different dynamics here that people can learn about. So, so talk a little bit first about developing your psychic library. Yeah, this is really important because when we and this was hugely pivotal in my own process, but. When we consider what is out there in terms of psychic stimuli or what we may be feeling, sensing, or experiencing, um, it really goes way beyond creating a dictionary out of the subject. And what that means is that what we experience is through our own filters. Our filters are our experiences and kind of the, the images and symbols and myths that have relevance to our own lives. And so I go, I'll get people saying things to me like, oh, I saw a vision of a blue orb. What does that mean? And it may mean something entirely different to them than to somebody else who has different experiences of this world seeing a blue orb. And so that's kind of like just a commonplace example, but that could go towards anything towards like, you know, having a particular power animal, you know, a wolf coming across for somebody is going to come across for a very different reason than somebody else. And so understanding not only um, understanding this process and understanding our own filters is really um, a good thing. And it's kind of comprised of two parts. The first is understanding what your filters are meaning um, being able to sit with things. And, you know, I talk about discernment a lot. We did a whole show on that. But sitting with Mm -hmm. things and really understanding um, what meaning there is for you and you as an individual. And the second part would be sort of um, would be an understanding of what psychic senses you have, basically how you receive things individually. And it's not as clear cut as people point out, like most people are not specifically just an empath or just a clairvoyant or something like that. There is all sorts of complexity in how we actually individually pick things up, especially um, if our senses cross, which is kind of common. For example, um, people who have high-level empathic qualities, they will create a picture out of what they are picking up out of their environment. They are not clairvoyant. What their mind is doing is creating through their fil- filter system and through their sense of empathy um, a visual for them so they can understand what is coming through. And so both of those things and being able to build your library to understand what's coming across is really important. So... Um one of the things that that I would add to that is I, I so in my own in my own experience as, as as I have moved through decades of work, my filters shift as I shift, and so that's the other you know it's like all of this as you said in the beginning of the show. Ideally, we're all always growing and changing and developing, and so we we need to be aware. So we can also be aware as things are evolving as well. 
Um, so, and just to kind of really ground this in reality, I I, I know that. Um, so, for example, in my early early life, I had a different diet than I have right now, and what I noticed about when I was eating in that way is it made me very what I would say very porous. And so I, I, I was much more available to information and, you, you know, you might think, oh, well, that would be a good thing. But honestly, it was all useless information. <laughs> it just made me more, gave me more junk to have to sort through. And, and back to discernment, it didn't really give me any more useful information. And so in many ways, by shifting my diet and just being able to be less porous and more grounded, that my energy body did did that sifting and I you know was left basically with the same actual valuable information <laughs> so. yeah. Yeah. I had I had like a week and this is just really strange but I had a week where I would look at people and I would see what animals they would be totally <laughs> totally useless information to know that somebody <laughs> would be like a rabbit or you know a giraffe or something like that but it's just like that's what came through and, you know, we don't need to take in so much information. There are ways to, you know, form barriers to that or to let that stuff go. So you're not sitting there and wondering for like six more months why you saw somebody as, you know, like a giraffe or, or something like that. <laughs> so in other words, just because you're getting information doesn't mean it's all useful. Um, uh, I, yeah. I did have a really interesting experience recently in uh, I was working with someone who I would I, I think is extremely, extremely uh, sensitive and had a huge complex filtering system and organizing, filtering and organizing system that the spirit showed me energetically. And it took me a long time to figure out what I was even being shown. I mean, it was so complex. And then I finally got it. And then I realized that they were trying to give him a message about it. And the message was basically, you created this amazingly complex system when you were a child, and therefore you're not really aware of it. So as you've evolved, it hasn't really evolved with you as well as it needs to. And so if you could just become aware of it, much of it would upgrade. It's like all of a sudden you'd receive the downloads. <laughs> you would naturally upgrade your filtering system, but you're not conscious of it because it's your normal. And I thought that was really interesting. And, and then the other part of the message was, and some of this filtering system is so grounded in trauma that it, it isn't going to adjust unless you adjust it. So you're going to need to consciously engage with your filtering system. And the, the image was so beautiful. And it, it was, it was uh, just like you just need to give it a dial. <laughs> So yeah. adjust it up and down versus having it stuck at absolute because it got created in a traumatic time. And I just thought, you know, these these dimensions, the spirits were trying to communicate to this person about how to work with this system that they'd cultivated to to create a good life for themselves and, and just about how, you know, you can use what you have, but but it does need to adapt to the man that you are now it can't just be what you created as a child I thought it was I don't know I just thought it was really fascinating as you were talking about filters I thought wow yeah um they need to grow with us yeah and what I'd also say about that is that that is really common and it's really about making things really conscious too 
And so what I'd say is that I work with people all the time who, when they were, you know, six and they were really sensitive and they were stepping out in the world for the first time, they learn to retract their energy, they learn to shield themselves, even, you know, now that they're 20, 30, 40, the, they're still putting up these blockages, these protections, because that's the best that their system knows how to do subconsciously at the moment. It isn't a great process, but what their body is hearing is enough, enough, this is way too much information, and so they, they create these blocks and shields, mostly subconsciously, although some people do it consciously, um, and they aren't terribly effective most of the time, and you're right that a lot of times they come from um, an energy of trauma, which isn't helpful either, because if you created a boundary of your, out of yourself for discovering, oh, I'm a freak and nobody likes me, I need to close myself off, what sort of filtering system is that creating for you? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, actually, let's just let's sidestep over here because this is an important piece of the conversation and it does kind of fit into some shows that we've been playing about protection. So talk a little bit about what you're, what you're meaning when you talk about shielding and in that why it's not necessarily the greatest strategy. Well, like I referred to a little bit, a lot of our shielding is, um, and what you talked about with your client is that a lot of our shielding is from an earlier age. They're from contracts and beliefs that we had as a six-year-old or as a six-month-old or even as like a 25-year-old, and we're no longer that person anymore. And a lot of times um, they're also subconscious, meaning that our system is doing the best that it can. It just doesn't have the information or skill to be able to appropriately shield or block energies should it need to. Um, And when we're talking about this, we're also talking about popularly how people shield is by using their own energy. If you're talking about somebody who has a really depleted and overwhelmed system, what kind of mental energy is being created to create that shield, um, what sort of beliefs are being put into there, is there clarity of mind to even affect a good shield? And what I would also say, and this is a really hard understanding for people to sort of grasp, is that shielding isn't the best option, basically. So shielding really can be there for intensive situations, but really what is necessary is what I call sealing or is a system in which um, kind of the, the good energy can come through and we can keep other energy out. And most of all, we are not using our own personal reserve of energy to um, try to erect barriers because our system is already trying to do enough by trying to create like a mental wall around yourself that isn't helping anybody's energy reserves. Um, yeah. So. Okay. And then, um, and so then you talk in the book about how people can learn to do that. Yeah. I mean, in terms of sealing, what I, what I suggest is using in the book is using the energy of the sun and basically creating a sun around yourself Um, And it's really simple and it's really lovely to do. Um, And it teaches all sorts of things that make it more effective, such as putting in intention and words and, you know, timing and all of that sort of stuff that kind of bolster the effects of it. 
Um, I do talk about things like shielding and needs for protection because those do come up for people, but they aren't really supposed to be a constant thing and they aren't they really shouldn't be something that um, is created from a state of depletion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is something that Betsy spoke to also in in a show about protection. Yeah. It's a pretty consistent um, understanding. And, and part of the reason that um, we get to the energy depletion, physical problems that then lead to all of the health problems that, you know, follow that quickly. So in this... In this um, area though uh, Betsy was talking about um, hmm, I think she used the word collapsing she was talking about how um, how animals will just collapse their energy field to hide to become invisible and that that's not necessarily the greatest way to go about protecting yourself either and I'm wondering sounds to me that it might be similar to what you're talking about when you're talking about expansion or contraction. So could you share a little bit about that idea? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's a hard thought to get across to people, but really expansion of your energy allows for things to flow better basically. So what I have found is that even when people are really highly psychic and they are, or you know, even moderately psychic and they're reacting to things like, let's say a school shooting is happening or, you know, it's a full moon, so let's talk about the full moon. What it, that energy is doing is actually not properly kind of flowing through your system. There, You know, if we consider ourselves kind of like a pipe or tube somewhere in there, there's some mud or some gunk or something like that that's causing for us to, um, to have things not flow through us properly. Because if we were in a totally healed state, and none of us are there, but if we were in a totally healed state, we could even have cosmic energies flow through us and um, they would just kind of flow. They would just kind of pass through us. That doesn't happen because our own emotions, our own reactions, um, our own ideas about things get involved. And so there is kind of, and I know that we talked about this a little bit, but there is kind of the facet of taking some personal responsibility and noticing like, oh, if every time this happens, I go into this profound state of grief, well, that's something, you know, kind of internal to look at that isn't necessarily the nature of what um, a highly sensitive person experiences. That's that's something um, to individually look at what you carry or what you have been given in this world to look at ancestral healing or whatever type of healing or personal healing or whatever healing is needed there to really allow for your system to heal and clear out and kind of be that um, be that uh, empty vessel sort of concept where, where energies can simply flow through and you can be in this expanded and non-reactive state, um, which is really the highest level of skill in kind of navigating energies. And so there are obviously steps to that, but generally the idea of expansion of energies is present. I know it's present in Betsy's work, and I know it's present in like a lot of the a lot of the work from some of my other teachers and and so forth as well. Um, but we're so used to kind of retracting and being in fear states and and trying to control everything that that getting somebody there is always kind of and getting myself there is always a is always a, a bit of a process. 
Yeah, it is It is interesting because we do have that natural response to fear, to contract. And I, I see it whenever there's ice. This is making a completely physical example. But whenever there's ice, everybody contracts as everybody's afraid to slip and fall down. And the energy gets way up in their chest. And they start and, – and the next step they're going to take, they're going to fall down because everything's top-heavy. And if people just relax and flow with the energy and become big and gooey and squishy and a big heavy feet and a big heavy butt, you know, and then they're just going to move along the ice just fine and they're not going to fall down. Yeah. But you have to not be afraid you're going to fall. And it's um, it's that counterintuitive response to fear that um, applies, I guess I would say, in so many different facets of life. Um and so, so is there anything more that you want to say in this particular area you were moving towards this, this whole aspect of how non-reaction, the, the ability to move ourselves to a place where we are in non-reaction, not because we've shut down from what's going on, mm-hmm. but that we've worked through our own emotional sort of coloring of things to be able to be in a open and neutral place and just let energies be what they are without our adding a little story to it right and it flowing through um that this non-reaction is really all the ultimate energy to bring to this idea around protection but is there more in terms um of this in terms of heart radiance or is there any more in this topic that you'd want to share at this time what I'd say is that, I mean, we live in a world in which people are continually kind of expressing their wounds to one another. So, I mean, I, I talk about in my blog sometimes, you know, like if you have anger within you, you know, you're going to find some way to externalize that. You're going to find a person to enact that with. You're going to find some way, something, somewhere, somehow to be angry at. And so, understanding that whatever is within us really, you know, it sounds cheesy, but whatever is within us, that's what we kind of hook into in the outer world and understanding that in your reactions with others and your needs for protection is is pretty essential. And I'll talk about that a little bit more is just basically the concept that um, is that if we consider the, 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 people kind of are in this place of kind of blind emotive reaction um, and that a lot of people are somewhere in the process of like kind of working through their stuff so it's not just kind of these traumatized aspects of self that are looking to kind of loop or replay themselves again and again looking for healing Um, we can understand what we are projecting onto others from our own unhealed state like looking at Am I somebody who always gets angry at this? Why am I getting angry at this type of person and starting to take back those projections and basically doing your own healing work? And when you get to a certain point with it, you can understand what sort of roles and projections people are putting onto you, and you start to realize that people are doing this to you, and it really has nothing to do with you at all. I mean, sometimes it has a little smidgen of something to do with you, but primarily, um, if you're able to look at somebody, and people talk about compassion as as it's supposed to be this huge, like, non-judgmental, you think everybody is awesome sort of state, and it isn't. 
sometimes I'll have somebody contact me and I'm like, oh, that's a really traumatized five-year-old in a 50-year-old body. You know, they're trying to get me to be their mother or sister or cousin or teacher, you know, like in, in not, a, not a healed capacity. And understanding that will allow for you to not only not react to the person and not take on their energy, their emotional, mental energy that they're aiming towards you. Again, this is usually pretty subconscious, but it will also allow for you to just kind of have a peaceful existence and not need as much of this kind of protection shielding sort of stuff. So um, in addition to that, you know, this this topic now this is a topic that gets lots of airtime on why shamanism now <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you know i mean this is a really in critical critical piece when we're talking about perception because our own issues and as you said none of us are done yet right so our own issues color mm-hmm. our perception and they cloud our capacity to discern accurately so this is the realm we're talking in so maybe you could answer you know just really directly how how important is this this coming to be able to have skills to do your own emotional work important if you're in this spectrum of highly sensitive to highly psychic person kind of why is it important and how important is it i think it's really important because i'll describe a really common thing that happens to sensitive and psychics they will be interacting with somebody and on the surface that person is just having a basic conversation with them about their day or work or what they do for a living or something like that. But the psychic or sensitive notices that behind this sort of mask or social nicety that this person is really angry. And without the skills and healing capacity um, kind of going through that process, what will happen is that the psychic or sensitive will think that... um, will think that the the person is angry at them. And moreover, they will kind of reflect back on processes in which other people have been angry at them or prior beliefs that they're kind of creating their reality out of. And so this happens all the time. This actually took me a really long time to, to get over myself, and I see it so much. I see it as much, I mean, we can talk a little bit about personal responsibility for what we pick up, too, But without engaging in our own healing process, we're going to not only take on that anger, but think that it's directed at us and about us. Um, And so if you don't engage with your own healing process or learn skills, you're going to constantly think that everybody is against you or hates you or, or, you know, um, is just really angry at you for no reason. So um, that would kind of be my somewhat direct but meandering response to that. (laughs) Um, so in the book, um, Mary, there, there are various different aspects that are important around this topic that we're talking about, and we're kind of running out of time, but there's back to the idea that we talked a little bit about developing your, what Mary calls your psychic library. There's a big piece around any energy hygiene, um, which is distinct in a way. I mean, not that it can be too distinct since it's all happening inside of us, but Understanding energy hygiene is distinct from emotional hygiene. They're, they're two, mm-hmm. two important areas, each, each valuable in and of themselves, right? And so then there's this other aspect of managing your personal energy 
discernment is a big piece. And then working with your nervous system, and this is something that is also a topic I haven't ever really talked about, but it, it was not wonderful to see it here again, which is that we periodically need to recalibrate. And how do we do that? You know, and so these are all really rich, important aspects that are here in Mary's book, Managing Psychic Abilities. Um, what I wanted to spend our last few minutes, though, is talking about the place that you get to really at the end of the book, which is it's been so rare for me to experience anyone else even come circling around to this. But it's basically the point that the world needs you. The world needs you and the different way you perceive things because of your abilities. And if you don't become someone who is skilled and can manage those abilities, you can't bring your gifts to the world. And 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 so um, what's the beautiful piece, I think, Mary, at the end of your book is we are talking about, you know, the, the, the fact that you, you as the highly sensitive person or psychic or whatever – experience life in a different and unique way is precisely the reason that you need to learn to manage yourself in the world so you can be a lawyer you can be a doctor you can be um, a fabric designer you can be all of these different things that need to happen in the world because they all need to start happening differently so I don't know. That, that's what I took from what you were saying but maybe you'd like to close the show here talking about that in a little different way but yeah, I mean, I would somewhat echo what you'd say, but I'd say that if you are coming from an unskilled place with your abilities, you really are not allowing for the world to um, have the benefit of having somebody who has the capacity to think differently or experiences the world differently than most other people. And what a benefit that is, you know, great inventors, thinkers, philosophers, lawyers, they all have the capacity, you know, and we're not ta just talking about spiritual professions here. We're talking about like all over the world, you know, like Steve Jobs and, you know, kind of all of that sort of stuff. But if you're not in a place of being able to manage your abilities and being been able to work with kind of the emotional baggage or trauma that may have been created um, due to kind of those capacities is that the world isn't benefiting from your presence and you don't get to be fully who you are in this world. And so I would encourage anybody to, you know, like obviously you can look at my book, but just to consider um how much of a gift and a benefit it really is in a world in which people, a lot of people think and act and kind of are similar um, in which that somebody doesn't, that really, that really is kind of a rare gift. And I wish that more people, as many people as possible, could understand that and look at their sensitivities and psychic abilities as a source of strength and something that's really needed in this world, especially at this time, instead of something that they're hiding or feel traumatized by. Yeah. Is there anything else that you'd like to say, Mary, just in, in closing here today that we haven't quite touched on or... You know, um, what I would say is in the book that I do talk about the spectrum of psychic abilities. I talk a bit about why psychic abilities develop, which is a good understanding to have. Um, and I do, you mentioned it, but I do a lot about energy hygiene. I think that's 
spiritual bathing especially, but I go over all sorts of different energy hygiene. That has been essential for my life as a, as a highly psychic person. Um, without spiritual bathing, I probably would be like in a cave somewhere. Um, <laughs> but uh, And really the energy calibration, meaning knowing what where your energy is, what it's doing, boundaries as well, is what I would like to leave people with is like, there is this cultural understanding that because we sense something, we need to have responsibility for it. We need to do something with it. And that really isn't the case. And so I go into this a little bit at the end of the book, but understanding kind of how we were talking about um, about just kind of some, just because you go into a room and notice something, just because you're picking up information doesn't mean that you have responsibility to it. And what this book will allow for you to do is to let go of the aspects of you that are um, taking responsibility for that because that is really exhausting to do and it's kind of the number one thing that I see people deplete their system through is by is by this process of thinking that they have some level of responsibility because they're just sensing things. And I would add that it's one of the great first-line distractions from actually doing the unique thing that you were meant to come here to do because you're too exhausted trying to take responsibility for things that aren't yours. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Mary. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, Mary, for joining us here again today on Why Shamanism Now. Thank you for and, having me. Yeah, and thanks for writing another wonderful book, Managing Psychic Abilities. And for those of you that want to connect with Mary, email her, order her book, et cetera, et cetera, you can link to all of that through Mary Shutan, S-H-U-T-A-N, MaryShutan.com. So I'd like to give thanks to the ancestors and their dreaming, for it's because of them that we are all here. We give gratitude to the earth below and the sky above and to the heart that unites us all. Thank you, everyone. Have a good week.